0: So welcome back to This Week in Film, the podcast, where we come together each week, we do a show where we talk about the movies we watched over the past seven days. Yeah. I'm Nick Penunto, joined as always by Charlie Chester. Tip of the hat to you. Ray is still missing. We don't, we don't really know where he is. Uh, some uh, island in Greece, from what I understand. Good for Ray. Yeah. I want to go to Greece. hmm So it's a new week, Charlie. It is. We've seen movies.
1: Uh yes. What did you see this week? Uh I I I'm surprised I managed to have any time whatsoever to see a movie this week because I watched 10 hours of Game of Thrones in 5 days. Not a movie, moving on. Yep, nope. I um I ended up watching two movies. <laughs> uh I'm going to talk about both of them uh really quickly uh each because they're kind of related. I went Nautical <laughs> this week. <laughs> totally Nautical. Uh-huh. And I went with the newer film, The Shallows. Oh, the shark movie. Yes. With um, uh, Blake Lively. Right. Which is a strange name. Who is
0: famous, but I don't know anything that she's in. I can't think of anything.
1: Um, I get her confused with the girl who was in Edge of Tomorrow. Yeah. She, uh, well, I don't know. She's uh, attached to Ryan Reynolds. Oh. There you go. Um, And then I watched um, another movie that was not in theaters. It was on Netflix called Killer Mermaid.
0: This is the movie that I thought should have had the title Murder Maid.
1: Yeah. (laughs) Which I don't know if that's about uh, like uh, a person that works in a hotel maid. Right. Or... A mermaid. That's Maybe a both. Yeah. There's
0: your twist. That is a twist. She's a mermaid who has a day job as an assassin. Right. So it's like, a, it's a, like Splash.
1: She gets legs. Like Evil Splash. Yeah. Um, We're very
0: good at, at comedy.
1: So I, uh, I uh, okay, so I watched Kill a Mermaid begrudgingly because a friend of mine um, kept talking about it. And... Uh, Uh, I guess I dedicate this one to you um, for putting me through hell watching this movie. Um, So your name? uh, It's my friend Ariel, who also has a mermaid name. Oh. Yeah. There's a theme. I'll get it. Yeah. So um, uh, we'll talk about Shallows quick. Because Shallows, the whole point that I'm talking about these two is because one got it right and one got it wrong. Mm -hmm. And uh, I'll, I'll talk to... Yeah, uh, both. Why? So the shallows, the basic idea is Blake Lively finds um, a beach that her mom used to visit uh, when she was pregnant with Blake Lively. What? So, it, like in, in Costa Rica or something like that. So like uh, there's pictures of this beach and her mom on it and the mom passed away. So it was very important for Blake Lively to find this hidden beach in Costa Rica. So she finds it and no one will tell her the name of the beach. It's very hidden. So that, from the get go, they are already setting up uh, the uh, the devices of isolationism, mm-hmm. like that she's not going to be found. You know, uh, survivalism. You know, uh, no one knows where she is. They they beat you over the head with that from the get go. Okay. So she gets this beach. She's a sur- surfer. She's surfing. There's a couple uh, natives there. Um, surfer surfing. Sur- surfer surfing. Um, and then uh, they come back into land. They leave. She uh, gets toppled over um, and attacked, uh, just, just a play tap, a play attack uh, by a shark, just enough to screw a leg up. But you come to find <laughs> that she is, this gray white, it puts Jaws to shame. It is the biggest freaking shark I've seen besides mega shark from like the sci-fi movies. This thing is huge. It's, it's it's prehistoric. Mega Shark is a
0: fantastic movie.
1: Right. I've never seen it. I've seen the cover, um, which I feel like means I've seen the movie.
0: I'm not sure. Mega Shark versus Giant Octopus, one of those, the Mega Shark knocks an airplane out of 30,000 feet out of the air. So right. Well, it's one of the best things you've ever seen. I, uh, but anyway, back to this movie.
1: That, that derailed me. Um,
0: sure, her leg was played so, with so, by so a she shark. Got,
1: yeah, she got bit by a shark. Um, and she ends up. Uh, on top of a dead whale, what? about ninety yards out from shore. Um, why is there a dead whale? Well, you come to find that this was the feeding ground for the for this mega shark thing that um, uh, it killed the whale. She's on top of it now. This thing. Why starts, would a whale be there? Uh, I don't. That, Did the
0: whale get tricked into going there too?
1: Yeah, yeah. Everyone's mothers had pictures of them. <gasps> The whale's mother was pregnant. Too. Yeah, the, <laughs> they all, they all, they all had this this lifelong journey to get to this beach. Um, it's one long your mama's fat joke, right? Right. Right. So, uh, so basically, um, she goes. She's on top of this thing. Uh, the shark knows she's on top of it. It starts hitting the whale. She swims. Uh, it becomes low. It's it's low tide at this point. She swims. She finds um, some coral. Uh, jutting out of the water at about 50 yards out from shore and that's where most of the movie takes place. She's mm-hmm. on top of this and she's tr- devising different plans to um, get back and or, you know, uh, just like kill the shark if she can. Um,
0: but she's all alone?
1: She's all alone. There's no one there um, and time's ticking down because the next day when High Tide, I guess it's High Tide comes in, this coral reef's going to disappear. Right. So she needs to figure this out before that. So, so
0: this giant shark, this this giant shark is just waiting for one person instead it, of going out to look for food.
1: Yeah, it's pissed, or it it's got the taste of her blood at this point. So, I mean, okay, you have to just. Oh, and she's wounded, so she's yeah, still just she's bleeding, bleeding into, into, into the, water. the water. Got it. So it knows that it's makes there.
0: sense. Now it's science.
1: Yes, yeah, so, I mean this is uh, nature. You, you you know it's, it's uh, nature. It's nature. That's what happens. Um, so. You got to let certain things go. If you let that go, if you let go this idea that like you know the shark is extremely intelligent and it's and it's um, malicious in nature, uh-huh. which doesn't you know which doesn't make sense you know. Right. But um, you let that go, and you make it just about a survival film. Right. Uh, the things that I liked about this are the devices that came into came in into play. Um, how do you make that interesting? What do you do? What do you what do you do with someone who has no one to interact with? Um, so they went the route of like Castaway. Mm-hmm. Um, during the attack, there's a seagull that got a t- like that got wounded um, on the whale. So the seagull is with her on the rock, and uh, she mends its wing, and you know is kind of like you so know the just a buddy. The seagull is Wilson. It's Wilson. Uh-huh. Yeah. Uh, So she now has at least like some dialogue to talk to this thing. Um, What else can you do? Uh, Well, she, you come to find that she was a med student. So when she's tending to her own wound, she talks to herself like she's a patient, which I thought that was interesting, at least. That's,
0: that feels a little legit. Like you kind of detach yourself from a situation kind of thing that uh, I'll go with that.
1: So, um, all that being said, you know, like.
0: Does the bird put on a mask and help her? Is there a cartoon <laughs> sequence where...
1: I, uh, I wish the bird, yeah, was a little bit more involved in the plot. Um, but uh, if we take away some of these, like, you know, like problems with the script, I thought the director did a great job uh, because, like, the waves crashing down become characters, like these ominous characters. And the way that he films them, he gets... I don't even know what they did with the camera, but they get so low... And these waves look so high. Mm-hmm. Even, and, but then they, they like, at points, he destroys that, that um, image of them by, you know, cutting to an eye-level shot of them. You know what I mean? Yeah. And he uses, he goes back and forth with this from time to time, uh, heightening tension and destroying it when he needs to, you know? Right. Um, and he does the same thing with, like, going underwater and showing what's going on under there and being above ground when it's important. So you come to find the director understands tension, Mm -hmm. which, and he does a very good job of going back and forth and using these simple ideas to his advantage and, and to, and to heighten the storytelling, which otherwise would have fallen flat. If, if many other people had had this story, it would have ended up just being a shitty made for sci-fi TV show movie, you know? And,
0: um, we looked it up before the show and we realized, uh, that the guy who directed the shallows is the guy, who directed non stop the Liam Neeson,
1: yes, airplay movie, um, which also deals in a tight confined space. The whole movie, mm-hmm. and it's about uh building tension with the very little things that you have around you, which is right interesting. And in a, in a way, I've used this before that I mean, that, I, that feels so Hitchcockian to me, like, I feel like he, like, that the whole idea of um, you know, tension uh building via giving the audience information that the uh characters don't have and then you know working with that you know from time to time.
0: Yeah I haven't seen what was the other one that he did the other Liam Neeson one we saw Run Run All Night. Run All Night. I haven't seen that. But it's good. Nonstop is uh it's not the world's greatest movie, but it's definitely compelling. Mm-hmm. You definitely go from scene to scene to scene. You want to know. You, you don't check out at any point. Like, you laugh at it a few points here and there. Yeah. But but you definitely are, are interested in in where the characters are going. And, I mean, a horror movie beach with, with that kind of mentality. Yeah. Um, you know, like a shark movie. I'm on board. I'll,
1: it's, I'll, I'll watch it. It's the script is is good, but I would love to see what this guy does with a great script. I don't think he's gotten a great script yet. Um, I'm, I'm I haven't seen his whole body of work, but I mean specifically with The Shallows, he made something that could have been very bland and made something very good of it. Uh-huh. And you hear it like you know like what I think Clooney had said it once, where like you can easily uh, ruin uh, a good script you can you can you can make it into a bad film um but you can't make a bad script into a good film yeah you know what i mean so here uh you come to find that like the talent here is obviously the director Mm -hmm. um so i'm curious to see what else he does but you know now who does it badly Uh, killer mermaid does it badly. Murder me, (laughs) the murder maid. So in killer mermaid, the idea is that, uh, God, I can't even tell you insert beautiful, um, uh, destination. I want, you know, let's just say I I
0: had pictured a girl.
1: Well, we'll get there. I I thought
0: you were describing a girl and all of a sudden. I had to turn her into a place. I
1: want to say it's like, it's like Greece. It's like, maybe Ray is (gasps) living this right now. Ray is in Murder Me. (laughs) Ray, run. Don't listen to the Harpies song. (laughs) Um, So, basically, in this movie, there are a couple gorgeous Americans that are... Of course. Terrible actors. Yeah. Terrible. Um, Their, their asses are the, the draw. And you know the director no like that's all he cares about because there's so many butt shots in bikinis of these two girls it's ridiculous Yeah, like i should have done a count of how many times he focuses on it uh-huh. and then uh so they come there they're visiting an old friend from college but while they're there strange things are happening people are dying in this like uh this island um, area uh and there is a um uh, this killer on the loose who kills people with an anchor. What? Okay. Now they, yeah, he what? walks around with a hand, like a one of those small like a, anchors. Like a
0: boat? Like a small yeah. boat anchor?
1: Yeah. And um, uh, you come to find that you think that he's killing people and throwing them in the water to feed a mermaid. But we haven't seen the mermaid. And now we're like an hour into the movie. We still haven't seen the mermaid, the killer mermaid. It's an hour and a half movie, mind you. Um, Is it
0: one of those things where... You've been told there's a mermaid, but you don't believe it. You've been told or... it's a,
1: there's a mermaid because the title of the movie is Killer Mermaid. <laughs> right. right. <laughs> <laughs> Just to keep reminding okay. you. Okay. Yeah. So uh, basically, uh, there's a lot of partying shots of these girls, like drinking and dancing. And, and you're seeing their, their... Is it spring break? No, no. They're they're in town, town to visit an old college friend. Um, who dated one of them and is got a fiance now, and uh, he ends up being a jerk and cheats on the fiance with this girl. So, no, none of these characters Guys, are like, you know, like the. Am I right? You know, yes, un, uncontrolled, these animals. Um, so, they get uh, this idea where they want to go to this abandoned prison on a neighboring island for adventure. Um, and now, here comes the interesting part of the whole story. Oh. Um, uh, a character is introduced that predicts gloom and doom at a bar. And he looks like what you imagine Moby Dick, uh, the captain of Moby Ahab, would look like in a cliche costume. He looks like a giant whale. (laughs) It's the mom from the other movie, Shallows. It's all connected. So uh, this guy's in like... You know he's all grizzled and, and like he he he's got like a squinty eye. And, is it the sea captain from the Simpsons? Dude, I'm 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 telling you, it looked just like a a like live action version of him. And he starts yelling at them. He's like, "You won't go to that that island. Don't go there because you know people get killed there. You know." And he starts talking about the legend of this mermaid or whatever. So they don't care. There's a crazy old man. They go anyway, and of course they start getting picked off. And you find the anchor killer has been killing people um, because there's a mermaid on this island whose mermaid song, her voice. song, uh, song. yes. It, it lures men to do things for her and she feeds off of human flesh. Um, so.
0: Makes sense. Yeah. That,
1: that, that's the plot. That's everything. Science. And, um, so these people end up getting, like, you know, butchered on this island. Uh, a couple of them escape. And then they meet Ahab again. And Ahab, the, the best part of the movie is the very end of it. When they killed, um, uh, they killed I'm sorry to spoil this, but they killed the mermaid. Um, like and they kill the anchorman. And one girl and Ahab are on shore. And all of a sudden, you know, they said, it's over. We've killed her. Mm-hmm. And in a, in a shitty fashion, where like, the mermaid jumps up on land. Which is a terrible decision as a mermaid. You're kind of defenseless, right? Yeah. And they throw a net on her, just like a shitty little net. And they like it's almost <laughs> like, do you ever like if you're a righty, do you ever throw lefty, and it just looks ridiculous? That's yeah. how they throw the net on her. It's just like this this limp, <laughs> just throw. <sighs> yeah, and it just it it she's she has no defenses against this thing, and then they spear her because you know Fish, Ahab, right? Yeah. And uh, oh yeah, I so get she, what you're saying. She's dead. And uh, they're like, you know, um, all of a sudden in the distance you hear uh, dozens of other mermaid songs. And he's like, oh, their sisters are coming to Avenger. And the girl looks at him and says, I don't want to die. And he goes on this diatribe about how, like, life's not worth living without adventure or whatever. And then he picks up another spear, and then it pretty much ends there. But all I'm thinking about is, like, they're on land. Like, why are they so worried about the mermaids? Like, Like, you know, this it's like they, well they're they, going to get hypnotized the whole idea right? of aquaman like what well the mermaid song only works for men not for women oh so she's safe she's pretty good i don't know man
0: well what about captain ahab
1: ahab well ahab
0: um or moby dick let's call him moby we'll dick We'll call him moby dick
1: yeah uh yeah we're he, doing
0: it on purpose we're not dumb
1: yeah <laughs> he yes he would have uh uh but if you slap someone in the face if they're under the spell of, yeah. the, of the the mermaid, they snap out of it. Yeah, of course. That's the cure.
0: That's like fire in Temple of Doom.
1: Right. You smack them and they're, they're cured. Yeah. So it's... is it really that, like, you got nets, right? Well, look, spears. I have
0: an enchanting voice. <laughs> and if you smack someone, they'd probably stop listening. Right. You know, I mean, that's just how it goes. Yeah. It makes uh, sense to me as a viewer.
1: Well, the things—everything you could possibly do wrong with this movie, you did wrong. You showed things, like, you know, too early, or you didn't build tension. Like, them running around an island with a killer, like, slowly chasing after them it is not scary unless you're using it to— like, like craftily, you know? Um, yeah. there, there was nothing about this that was anything special. I was surprised how pretty it was shot, though. But they, they had, like, gorgeous locations. And you could tell now we're getting into that realm of independent filmmaking or low-budget filmmaking where it doesn't matter because everyone's got 4K cameras. Everyone's got drones. You have these huge sweeping shots. Yeah. And you can do all this... On micro budgets now, so all shitty great. movies can look really pretty now. That's you that's
0: know good. At least you, at least it looks good. I mean, if you if you think back to like the mid two thousands when like those real low budget independent movies were popping up on Netflix and they all uh-huh. look like they're shot on DV cameras, They right. Have that grainy, but not like a film grain look. You know, like the the gain is blown up on the cameras and everything looks like it was shot on video nothing doesn't yeah. nothing looks like film so at least at least you're getting a better presentation for no money
1: the only problem is yes i agree and that's great for independent filmmakers that are good at what they do mm-hmm. but now you're going to fall into this realm of people getting tricked into watching movies because they look good and then realize i just wasted an hour and a half on something called killer mermaid i forgot that it was called that <laughs> <laughs> So, uh, yeah, I don't know. I, I'm, I'm wondering, um, at this point, um, I guess it's a double edged sword, you know, like it's great, you know, as filmmakers, you know, get this opportunity to actually take our films and make them look good. Um, when we weren't, um, fed with a silver spoon, we didn't have money, you know? Uh, but now, uh, like I said, like I, I imagine like five years from now, when the market implodes from all these crappy, really pretty movies, what what happens next? You know what I mean? But I don't know. For now we'll watch movies like Killer Mermaid and shame on us for watching them no. with Good a name us. like that. Cause,
0: <laughs> Cause now we're gonna get someone's gonna take Murder Maids. Yeah, Murder Maids needs to be for every yeah. copy sold.
1: Yeah, Murder Maids sounds like a that'd be a hit. Um so yeah, just wait for the sequel killer mermaids i'm sure is on its way there's demand for it at this point oh what would they
0: call it that should be our listener question for the week
1: the the sequel to killer the
0: sequel to killer yeah. mermaids what what ridiculous pun yeah, is the a... uh is the subtitle for killer mermaid too I think that's a fun one let's remember to that for the end of the show
1: yeah. <laughs> um so anyway sh- uh the shallows thumbs up um very well directed Killer Mermaids, on the other hand, amazing script. (laughs) (laughs) Not well directed. Written by Charlie Kaufman. (laughs) (laughs) So, yeah, that was my week in film.
0: All right. Well, this week I watched the 1980s classic about the 1950s Stand By Me, directed by Rob Reiner and starring... Wesley Crusher, mm-hmm. Corey Feldman, River Phoenix, and Jerry O'Connell.
1: Um, I forgot that was that was Reiner that did that. Yeah, yeah. It was when he made
0: excellent movies. Yeah.
1: No, yeah, absolutely.
0: I can't remember what Wesley Crusher's real name is.
1: Um Will Wheaton. Will Wheaton. Quill. Of big uh, Big Bang Theory fandom.
0: I I would go with the Wesley Crusher from Star Trek.
1: Yeah, I guess. Yeah. But
0: um but Stand By Me, I saw Stand By Me. Um, if you're if you're unaware of Stand By Me, you should check it out. It's uh, a coming-of-age adventure story that takes place uh, in the mid-1950s, I guess, because I already said that. Mm-hmm. Um, but basically, Jer- the, the four main characters are all going into... I want to say they're all going into seventh grade. They're going into either... They're going into middle school or junior high or something like that. Mm-hmm. They're like that weird... They've already hit puberty, but it hasn't, like, really kicked in mm-hmm. anyway. Um, so they are all hanging out in their treehouse, and Jerry O'Connell comes over and says, guys, you know that kid who's missing on the news? Well, my brother found him, and he's afraid to tell the cops. Do we want to go find the body and, and, you know, collect the reward? And the four of them go, yeah, let's go. let's go. Let's yeah. go on a, a trip. And... You basically go on this emotional journey with them as they 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 enter young adulthood and they have to deal with their own personal demons um on their way to to finding this this dead body mm-hmm. and um there's a lot of darkness in this movie that that has like a lot of light humorous elements which which is I think what really makes the movie work yeah is these kids are are dealing with horrible things every one of them. Except for Jerry O'Connell. They're all abused in some way. Um
1: Yeah, River Phoenix is like an intense backstory in that film, right?
0: Uh he comes from like a poor family mm-hmm. and his backstory is that everyone thinks he's a thief.
1: Yes. Corey Feldman's
0: character. His father uh is a World War II veteran, but he's I guess he's suffering from like PTSD. Mm-hmm. Um, and back then they would say he's like shell shocked or crazy. And uh, he's he's in a mental institution. But before he went there, he horribly disfigures Corey Feldman's ear because right. uh, I guess he holds him to a stove when he's a small child. Mm-hmm. Um, and Will Wheaton's character, uh, he had an older brother who was killed in a car accident. Uh, and his older brother is a was was a star athlete and was going to college for athletics. And they come from small town America, so football is king. And um, Will Wheaton's character is like emotionally abused by his father. Um, you know, like you should have been the one who died rather than your brother, kind of a thing. Mm-hmm. And um, there's a lot of a lot of dark things these guys go through, and. It's I, I feel like what's what sucks is that the characters are all children when they're acting so they're all child actors which has that child actor feel to it mm-hmm. but you could tell they're trying their damnedest um, yeah work w- with each other like it doesn't f- it doesn't feel like a terrible child actor movie like you know when you see kids in movies and you're like oh I wish this kid would get off the screen like you you're totally aware that these kids are acting and they're reading their lines but they, they, there's some parts that come across more true than others. Um, and the parts that don't come across very well really stand out. Uh, I don't have any specific examples, of course, because I prepare well.
1: Um, well, for, for me, I always felt it was a great loss when River Phoenix died because I always thought, like, Joaquin Phoenix, um, that's his brother, right? Correct. Um, they're both trained similar like character actors. Like look at what Ru- Joaquin Phoenix like reinvents himself like every time. Yeah. So you see that at a young age in River Phoenix. You know what I mean? Like you like it's almost like River Phoenix lit the fire for Joaquin. Oh you
0: can you can tell that River Phoenix was gonna be something big in yeah. the movie. He's the best actor in the movie. He feels real natural oh, yeah. and and you could tell why the other ones ended where they where they did. Like Corey Feldman does a, a fine job but but you can but he's Corey Feldman. At no point do you do you lose yourself in these characters? And maybe it's because like we've grown up with them, like we know who they are mm-hmm. um, and their other side projects. Like Jerry O'Connell, you can only think of as at this point. For me, he's the guy who is in My Secret identity, which is a show no one else has ever seen. and mm-hmm. and he's the guy who's married to Rebecca Romaine right you know so it's he you just know. grew
1: up to be like a silly don't take yourself seriously yeah which is actor. which is great uh everything that
0: he's in i like and cory feldman kind of you know he turned into cory feldman and will wheaton has reinvented himself as king of the nerds sure um and and river phoenix died but you can really see where river phoenix was going to go with his with his career you can really tell that there's a lot of intensity and Dude. a lot of Passion there.
1: There's some actors out there, and I feel like River Phoenix had it. There's that scene where he's talking about like how um, he th- he was accused of stealing lunch money or something, the milk money, right? Yeah. Um, and it's a really intense scene. It's like one of my favorite scenes of all time in this movie. Yeah. And in that moment, you see like almost like a James Dean quality to this kid, mm-hmm. you know? Yeah. Um, and
0: there's a quiet intensity to him.
1: Absolutely. It, it it's it's like sh- it, it's it's on. Un- mm, not unsettling. That's not the word I'm looking for. It it's uh. It's humbling to watch, and there's like sponge acting, you know, that's yeah. happening here, like where these other actors, want to el almost elevate their game, yeah, being around it.
0: Yeah, I completely agree. You know, and and I think they were, uh, and and many seemed in many scenes they weren't able to, mm-hmm. um, and those are the scenes that that struggle, but also I think in a lot of points the the script suffers from clearly being written by adults and and being read by children like like right. a lot of the lines the kids say like kids don't don't and never have talked like that you know right. and 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 just little things you know like the way kids talk is not the way adults think kids talk and it's it's true today with the movies they make and it was true back in the 80s and and before mm-hmm. um one of the things that would be interesting to see is the movie in the hands of a different filmmaker. I, I think Rob Reiner does a fine job with the film and the and the and the storytelling, but it feels very bland. Mm-hmm. it's 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 very much a a character piece. and it's not, it's not the prettiest film to look at, and I think I think it should be. I think it it's a kind of movie that they're going on this adventure through the wilderness, and it, like the wilderness should be the fifth. Like it's like a, that cliche of you know like New York is the fifth character in our movie. Right. Like the the wilderness in this movie should be the fifth character, and it just feels like something that they're trudging through. The 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 environment is just ancillary. So if you So if you gave the, right you gave to the
1: movie to at that point, like when. The, Our favorite directors of like, you know, our childhood when they were big, you gave that movie to like a Zemeckis back then. You think it would have been completely elevated?
0: I think it would have been, I don't know, like if if Zemeckis had it, but like I see what you're saying. Uh, I think, I think maybe it just feels so drab. Yeah. And maybe that's the look they were going for, but I feel like, I feel like it just needed an extra punch, like maybe something a little more stylistic to it. Mm -hmm. But, but that's i I'm just being picky at this point. Um Kiefer Sutherland plays a bad guy in ah, the movie. Man, and he is terrifying. Eh he, no? he was terrifying yeah. when I was fifteen. Yeah, maybe. But that's now the like you're looking back and you're just like, this guy is an asshole, you know, yeah. like like what's his problem? Like at one point he almost like, he threatens to kill so many people in the movie. Mm-hmm um threatens to maim and injure others Mm -hmm. and and like he's got his gang that they call themselves i guess the snakes or the cobra snakes or something like that and like why do these guys follow him other than the fact that they all just live in the town and they're all essentially losers but i guess you could say that about any gang like why do these guys follow this guy but sure but at the, at the end, well, spoiler alert for Stand By Me if you haven't seen it, at the end there's a confrontation between Kiefer Sutherland's character and River Phoenix where the gang has found the dead body, which is very intense um, and they're getting ready to claim it and then Kiefer Sutherland's, by the way, his character's name is Ace and I, I wish I had someone named Ace in my life.
1: Like actual. Like I want to like go a, by their name? Like yeah. I
0: want someone to be called ace. So yeah. if you want to be my ace, yeah. let us know. You can be my ace. Oh, uh, you thought you were looking at me but no. No, glasses, no, so you're Charlie. Tell. Yeah. And um got kind of weird. Uh but uh there's a there's an intense confrontation where Keith R. Sutherland just pulls out a knife and puts it to River Phoenix's throat. And you're like, what is this the intensity of Keith R. Sutherland's character goes from almost Nothing mm-hmm. to through the roof, right? And it doesn't it doesn't really make any sense. And he doesn't really, you don't really need this character in the movie at all because it's about these four other guys growing up. But I guess like the, the the title of the movie is "Stand by Me," and Will Wheaton is the main character, and River Phoenix is the, I guess you could call him number two, and they stick by each other when everyone else runs away. So Right,
1: so uh, this character almost drives them together in certain ways.
0: I guess. Yeah.
1: But, I mean, like, they grow
0: up and they, they stop being friends, but that happens with people.
1: Um, but
0: the other thing that's obnoxious is that song, Stand By Me, mm-hmm. constantly playing. Oh, is it? Like, it has a great soundtrack, but whenever there's music playing, there's, like, the, the romantic version of Stand By Me playing, and then uh-huh. there's, like, the... The were running version of Stand By Me. Yeah, yeah. So yeah.
1: that iconic scene of them running over the the train, right, train trestle. Yeah. Yeah.
0: Well, I think that scene's actually quite. That is a perfect scene. Yeah. That is that is great. Although, like this, I never realized that they were standing in front of a green screen or or like a rear projection oh, when no. they're shooting Are that. They really. You can tell that. now, like looking looking at it, you're like, oh, okay. Uh, but it's it's really well done, and and you really, that's the best acted scene in the movie. Um, but so, yeah, if you haven't seen Stand By Me, you should you should totally watch it. And if you haven't seen it in a while, check it out again and see see how it stands up, because it definitely I guess with like the perspective of being a little older than the last time I saw it. Um, it means it, it, it holds up a little differently, not in a negative way, but things stand out that that didn't before.
1: Um, did you know that this was a Stephen King short story?
0: I did know that it was a Stephen King short story.
1: <laughs> oh. <laughs> um, so like, uh, for me, the, what I find interesting now and in like, you know, retrospect is that you have a lot of Steve, Steve Kingian, uh, archetypal characters in this. Now you have like, you know, the, the Kiefer Sutherland character is very reminiscent of the bully from it. You know, uh, the guy I've never seen it. No, no. It's great, man. I love it. I don't, it it doesn't hold up now but it was great as a kid. It was traumatizing in yeah. a good way. Right. Um and then you have of course the main character being the writer.
0: Right, the John and, Ritter. And it's almost guy. like
1: his writing is heroic in the story. You know, right. everyone looks up to him. You know, and and that's that's a common theme in, in oh, a lot of ways. Oh, is it told from John John Ritter's the writer, right? Uh and is it
0: y- is he's telling the story of the
1: You know, I've read the book and I've seen the movie and I'm trying to remember whose perspective it was from. I I feel like it was omnipotent, Um, like we're jumping around. I don't think it's following. Yeah. Um, God, I can't remember. I think we jumped around quite a bit. Uh, But anyway, um, yeah, he's, you know, like there's a lot of themes in there. Uh, I'm curious um, about the short story. I've never read that short story. Uh, I haven't either. See see uh, how many liberties they've taken with it. You know,
0: it's like that joke at this point where all Stephen King's short stories make great movies, but the long books make for pretty terrible movies. Well, that about do it for our main segments of this week. Uh, We'll answer... We'll read your responses from Charlie's... What was it? Charlie's Crazy Conundrum? Yeah. Is that what it was? I think so, yeah. Good. I'm glad they keep getting more difficult to remember. (laughs) Uh, So last week's question... Was what movie is has or is the worst sequel? And at Wilmington Dan said Spider Man 3, which clearly mm. there's I some mean, really great moments in that No, there's yeah. not. No, there isn't. No, there's the only good moment in that movie is when the Venom when Venom takes over Tover Grace.
1: Yeah, that spoiler and spoiler alert and when uh uh they do the bell chime thing to get to separate them I thought it was a great moment and that's directly from the comic yeah no that that whole
0: church sequence was alright I'll take it back that whole church sequence was great Yeah, everything else by the time they got to the fourth dance scene I was I was checked <laughs> out um, and then everyone else said The Hangover um, which Hangover there's two the, sequels well both well let me step back Hal on the google plus by the way we're on google plus now What does that mean it's another social thing but apparently if you follow us on facebook you don't get to see any of our posts because we don't pay for advertising so Mm -hmm. facebook doesn't show any of our posts so check us out on google plus because that stuff shows up there Hmm. um but Hal on google plus says son of the mask which i haven't seen and have no intention of seeing Uh, i've seen snippets i saw the mask which was great yeah um and then uh Info Krieger on Google Plus says hangover too and then Judy said hangover because she couldn't think of anything else then she came back and said definitely hangover <laughs> hangover Um and then finally on Facebook Scott said which Scott found our post on Facebook which you know contradicts the last thing that I said but mm-hmm. Scott on Facebook says Halloween 3, Season of the Witch, which is a perfect another perfect answer, I think.
1: Because I, that's one of my favorite movies of all time. you got to be out of your mind. I love it. I yeah. love that movie. Three you're more are, days to Halloween. You're insane. Three more days. Yeah, they're still singing that song. Love it. Uh, so what did we say was going to be this week's question? Uh, what is a good title to the sequel of Killer Mermaid?
0: Right. Because so
1: now we've established there are more mermaids. Right, of course. So bigger is better in sequels.
0: Yeah. What is your title for Killer Mermaids 2? Right. Season of the Witch. <laughs> Which would make just as much sense <laughs> as Halloween 3. Oh, my God. All right. So um, if you're listening to us on the podcast radio network right now, we'd like to give a special thanks to Let's Talk Flicks, who gave us the great lead-in. Um, and if you're not listening to us on the podcast radio network, check out, let's talk flicks. They're a fun show and, uh, they always do a great job and they're very entertaining to listen to. Mm. If you want to listen to the podcast radio network, <laughs> check them out at uh, podcastradio.network.net. podcast, every night. They have uh, different shows on. You can find us right now that you're listening to us or every Wednesday night at ten thirty. Um, and if you want to know where else you can find us, check us out on SoundCloud, iTunes, Google Play Music, Google+, YouTube, Stitcher, Facebook, Twitter, uh, and then our website is thisweekinfilmpodcast.com. Uh, please subscribe, rate, review us on all that stuff, whatever whatever it takes. And uh, Charlie, what,
1: what do you have to plug? Uh, well, shout-outs to Plus2Kids. Comedy uh, podcast Superhero Speak uh, Podcast As well as Geek Yogurt podcast And I have one more Knuckleheads podcast um, All all good guys you, you made appearances on all those shows I did, I made appearances on those shows If you ever go to their podcast And you search Boy Zero and or Charles Chester Boom, pop right up Charles' um, real name is Charles Charles It was a secret Yeah that's when you're angry at me, you call me Charles. Um, so, uh, other than that, Boy Zero. Boy Zero, the graphic novel murder mystery. Uh, it's a two-volume book. Um, it is available on Amazon.com uh, in print. You can get it there. It's a Prime, so you can get it uh, shipped for free nice. if you are a Prime member. Um, it's also available on all digital uh, download Sites as in iTunes, um, uh, as in Barnes, Ag- and Noble. Barnes and Noble, Google Play, Drive Through Comics, Comicsology, which is the biggest one mm-hmm. for all comic book um, nerds out there. And I say that in the most respectful way because I love you guys. Um, and uh, yes, yeah, so um, yeah, it's a murder mystery in the vein of like an Agatha Christie if Agatha Christie uh, drank with Stephen King and came up with a story together.
0: Yeah, I'm finally getting around to reading it, and I'm about two of the chapters in, and it's basically told first person, but like a a flashback. Yeah, there's Um, a series of flashbacks. And uh,
1: it's pretty compelling. Um, I'm really enjoying it. Thanks, man. Um, Yeah, well, uh, there's going to be a book signing in the near future. I'll be... Uh, talking about that once we is get it lockdown moments from now in my car <laughs> <laughs> when we when we leave the studio and go out to the car. Oh my! Um, so yeah, so uh, we'll we'll talk about that. But again, uh, uh, Boy Zero uh, graphic novel. You can search for it um, uh, two words or just uh, Charles Chester author should pop it up.
0: Just a fair warning: the book is pretty graphic and and, and awesomely graphic.
1: Yeah, people are getting butchered
0: yeah Uh, alright so that'll about do it for us this week I have nothing further to add that's it so if that is the end of the reel we'll see you next week in film
1: bye